lots of you have have heard about giving a bunch. I mean, how many different ways have you heard about giving and all those sorts of things? But as as you know me, uh, I, I want to get down to the to the truth, uh, and I don't mean that. Let me clarify. I want to be honest about things. So if any of you are saying, you know what, I've given, and it just doesn't seem to work. You know, I've given, and it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't have enough money to give. Uh, You could be in all of these situations uh, where it just seems like you're going paycheck to paycheck, but you've been given and all these sorts of things. And you know what? The Holy Spirit has actually given me a solution for this, which as I was praying this through and reading this through, I was really, really kind of surprised. I don't know why I would be that he would give me, you know, something I haven't seen before. And that's the beauty of the word is you can look at it and you can see it in a million different ways. Well, here, real quick, let me pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name today, and we submit completely to your word, and we submit completely to your wisdom, and we receive it. You said you'd give us your wisdom, and so we receive it now by faith and know that we have your wisdom in our hearts on this subject, Father, and that you will guide us in it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so basically we're going to have, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover three things that could be holding your finances back a little bit when you give. Uh, and this is, I don't know how many times I've actually heard this before. Ethan, would you mind putting that first, that second Corinthians one up there? And I'm doing this in Amplified because of my sweet wife. Now, not only, I like it for the same reasons she does. So here, I'll read it. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully, and here's a big one, or under compulsion, for God loves, he takes pleasure and he prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Okay, now here's the thing. You can give for the wrong reasons. All right, now let's face it. If, if you took me down to the dog pound and if I followed my heart and my emotions... I would have about 60 dogs. And that's just this week. You know, I'd probably have more by the next week. Uh, You can't just go by your emotions. You actually have to be led to do something. And this has to do with, I don't give to every charity that comes along. I have to wait for the Holy Spirit to specifically lead me to give to a particular charity. Uh, We are blessed here to have connections with some great ones. Uh, I've done a lot of work with PRC and big, big supporter of PRC. Uh, I love the No Looking Back guys. They're all great ground. But as, as we saw with that scripture, you have to give purposely and with your heart. Now, the next part of that was, so not only should you be giving to the right place, <laughs> but you should be giving because you want to and you like to. Uh, I'll, one of my favorite things in the world used to be before Christmas, my little brother's 15 years younger than I am. So when I was in, in college, uh, he was, you know, six or seven. And uh, one of my favorite things to do in all the world was on Christmas Eve, my dad and I would, they, we'd stay up at night and we'd assemble all of this stuff for Jonathan, my little brother. So we made lots of bikes, and we made lots of uh, toys, and we did all these things. And oh, how we loved to give it to him the next day. That was probably the best part. In fact, the older I get and the more I give to him, I'd love to 
to give my nephews things that the parents won't give them. You know, the noisy stuff that the parents, you know, later they're going, golly, why did he give them that? Well, because I can, you know. So last year I gave them lightsabers. Yeah, can you imagine that? So I gave them lightsabers last year. So I did it with a whole heart. I gave it joyously. In fact, uh, Darla has to kind of pull me back when it comes time for giving to those guys, to the kids. She's like, all right, this is it. No more. Can't give any more. And that's the way we should be any time that we give. If you cannot give with that attitude, don't. Okay? How many times have you ever heard that before? (laughs) Yeah, you won't hear it normally. But if it's not what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, don't do it. Okay, for you, that may not be good ground for you. It, it, you just, you may have something coming around right around the bend. You might have somebody that needs gas. Uh, we, I recently was privileged to be able to help somebody pay their gas bill. That's one of my favorite things to do. So that's one of the things. Now, I think all of us is pretty good with that one. I think specifically in this church, I think we're pretty good with that. But if you do not give correctly in that first circumstance, you could be hindering what God wants to do in your finances. Here, let's go to the next one. Give me Malachi, if you would, Mr. Ethan. I didn't give him much uh, heads up on that way. Malachi 3, 10 through 11. There we go. Bring all the tithes. Okay, now here it says here, the whole tenth of your income. So I'm going to come back to that. (laughs) So bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And that's literally how they used to do it back in the day. They had a whole tribe of Israel that all they did was just things in the house of God. And they take care of the praise and worship and all these things. This is literally their provision to eat. So that's what I meant by food in my house and prove me now. Now, So here's, this is the part that I really want you to grab And prove me now by it, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing, shall not be room enough to receive. Prove me now by it. I know, I mean, I'm not a great, you know, tremendous Bible scholar. You know, I've, I've, I've studied for a while. I do not know of another instance where God says, prove me by it. Where he says, you do it, try me. What else has he ever done that with? I don't, I don't really know what else he's done that for. Now, when we're talking about tithe, you have to look at what we just talked about. <laughs> First, you have to purpose in your heart to tithe. And, and by tithe, literally that means 10%, but of course that, that's an Old Testament term. But the benefits are not Old Testament. Those are New Testament also. That's part of the covenant. If you give your finances to God... He says, try me. I'll prove it. And that's just, I don't know where else it says that. And I, for some reason, that really impacts me. So really what this is saying is, give to your church. All right, now Darla and I, back in the day, you've probably heard this story, didn't have enough money to pay the bills. We just, we literally did not. But God was moving on my heart to tithe. And so I said to him, I cannot give 10% and be happy about it. <laughs> I can't. And he said, and basically while I was praying, he was like, well, how much can you give, be cheerful about it, and to be consistent with it? And I said, Father, I can give you $20 a month, 
And I'd feel like that's all, you know, I, I would feel comfortable with that. And he says, just do that. Okay, it's not literally the 10th. What this is, is this is a heart thing. It's a consistency thing. As soon as I started doing that, suddenly my bills were starting to get paid. Suddenly things were just popping. Things weren't wearing out anymore. Have you ever got that feeling? Sometimes you get ahead and then just something just falls apart. When you are giving to the house of God because he told you to, what it does is it creates his part that he's required to do. Okay, It creates a covenant situation for him. And when he rebukes the devourer for your sake, that is that hole in your pocket that always seems to come up after payday. That starts to disappear. What you'll find is, and he said, prove me by this, is that you'll, your money will actually go further than it did before. Which makes no sense. It's sort of like the old, the bread and loaves. It's like the crucible of oil for the for the widow, where it would keep pouring out. It's all of these things happen. You are opening the supernatural on your finances when you give a tithe. Okay, now if you are to the point where you say, "No, I I literally have no money," well, that's okay too. What I want you to do the next time the. Uh, the bucket comes along. There is a pen in one of these chairs right in front of you. If you have nothing to give, I now give you that pen. And I want you to take that pen and put it into the bucket. And that will be the beginning of you giving. And be consistent. Now, what will happen is the condition your heart will come up and the Holy Spirit will say, I can work with this because you're obedient I can work with this because you're purposing in your heart. I can work with this because you're doing it joyfully, and you're doing it because I asked you to. And, I, and he says, I dare you. <laughs> that's what that's saying. Saying, I dare you to try me on this. All right? So these are two things that you can start with. Number one, remember that you've you, you got to give for the right reasons. Number two, tithing isn't about the 10%, and the 10% is Old Testament, but the benefits are not Old Testament. That's covenant. That is a sonship to the king. But you have to be obedient, and you have to do it correctly. All right, now here's, here's an interesting thing that I hadn't run into before. Uh, and this is, this is understanding sowing and reaping. Would you give me Mark 4, 26 through 29 there, uh, Ethan? And he said, the kingdom of God, that's what we are, is like a man who scatters seeds upon the ground and continues sleeping and rising night and day while the seed sprouts and grows and increases, and he knows not how. The earth produces, acting by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe and permits, Immediately, he sends forth the reapers and puts in the sickle because the harvest stands ready. Okay, so what the, the kingdom of heaven is sowing and reaping. It is a law. Okay, now suppose back in uh, the colonial days, you know, okay, say, say uh, Washington was, was, was uh, doing his thing and crossing across the Delaware. Would an airplane... If it were made in that time frame, in the 1770s, would it work? Sure. It's the same laws. 
You could have an airplane in 1776. The problem would be that no one knew the rules. No one knew the laws that governed the airplane at that point in time. So you are in a situation that you may not understand sowing and reaping, but it's a law. If you sow, you will reap. Now, I, for one, have been uh, volunteering at the church for a long time. And one of the things that I have reaped is I have a tremendous amount of time <laughs> in my life. I think Cade and I have actually talked about this one day. We were sitting down and go, you know what? I have a lot of time. I get to spend with my family. I get all these things. I don't have to do 70 hours a week. Uh, I've sown, sown excuse me, a lot of time. And I've reaped a lot of time. I get the equivalent of about two months of, out of a year off. And that's pretty good. And I do not mind. It is a wonderful thing. So what you sow, you will reap. Now, have you ever noticed, those of you that have ever lived on a farm or lived on a ranch, if you put a post in the ground for a fence, have you ever noticed that eventually the, it falls apart? Why is it doing that? And especially the part that's in the ground. What's happening is the ground is trying to make that post grow. It's literally taking it apart by trying to make it grow. Anything you sow <laughs> will try to grow. That is the law. The law of thermodynamics works on the airplane with Washington. The seeds and harvest are a law that work in the spirit. All right. Now, you're telling me, you might say, you know, I never can seem to get ahead. It seems like we're always month to month, and I never can seem to get that to break. This may be the problem. And, and follow with me on this. I'm going to do a little math for those of you that are, uh, are big math people. I don't remember. Amy, don't you teach math? <laughs> uh, all right, so here we go. A bushel of wheat. Everybody, you know, in your mind, you probably have an idea of what a bushel of wheat looks like. Okay. A bushel of wheat yields approximately 42 pounds of white flour, which will make about 42 loaves of bread. And you might think, you know what? My bushel is my provision, so I'm just going to, I don't have enough to make it to the next month. With that, until my next provision comes along. So I'm just going to go ahead, I'm going to grind up this wheat, and I'm going to make loaves of bread, and that will get me barely, but it'll get me to the next month. Okay, but what if? If you plant, you can do well with that one bushel of wheat. If you suppose the average farm has about... Uh, I'm trying to find what the, what the number is. The average farm has somewhere around five, 434 acres. That is the average American farm. And each one, if you plant your bushel, you will reap in due time approximately 60 bushels of wheat per acre. 59.2 technically is how it works out. So if you took your bushel and ate it, all you get is that, that amount of, of loaves. If you take that bush and plant it, in due time you'll have 59.2 bushels. 
All right. So suppose rather than consuming all of your bushel, you actually planted half of it. Okay, You'd put it out there, and if you put half of it out there, you would have 30 bushels. If you continued to do that, you would say then you reap your 30 bushels, you keep one bushel yourself, you put the 29 bushels out there. Within, depending on the conditions, four or five years, you will have on your farm 25,692 bushels that you have reaped. Or you can eat your seed. You see that? Many, many years I ate my seed. And that's how I ended up with nothing. I mean, at the end of the month, I'd, I'd just barely make it. As soon as I started planting, as soon as I started giving with a whole heart, cheerful heart, giving the tithe because that's what he would have me do, suddenly I started getting 25,000 bushels. Now we give more, and this isn't, I'm not tooting my own horn. All I'm saying is that this is the turnaround level that you can, that the Holy Spirit wants you, even more than that, is I now give more than our entire salaries combined were during that point in time. So it continues. It continues. I'm putting bushels down. Now, there are some requirements <laughs> that you have to give for you to be able to receive these things. First of all, of course, the, the farmer has to go out and he has to plant it. Okay, so we've talked about the planting. What do you have to do next? Next, you actually have to water it, correct? So a lot of you may not know what watering a spiritual seed looks like. Okay, what Darla and I do whenever the, the pot comes around and we're ready to put our tithe into it, we will actually pray over it with the pastor, whoever takes up the offering, and we will agree with him. What we're doing is we're watering it with the word. Okay, we're taking what God says, we're applying it to our seed, and we're putting it forth. Okay, now the the... There will come, I don't know how many of you have had, uh, had to plant a lawn. Any of you tried to plant a lawn? First thing comes along is those doggone birds. And they try and eat all your seed every single time. I don't even know how they know it's out there. Are they like watching me? Seriously, how do they know that there's seed there? Do they, I, and they'll eat as much as you let them. In fact, I've had it where I got no grass because they ate all of my seed. You have to do the very same thing with the word. You actually have to say, Father, I accept that your word says that I, how I plant. I did it according to my, I purposed in my heart. I did it joyfully. I did it according to your word. And now I expect fruit from it. I know that you're going to give me a blessing beyond what I contain in Jesus' name. Now, a lot of people in this point, uh, I've heard this before, they'll say, well, you know, you really shouldn't give to get. Is that what a farmer does? Does he plant to not get? In fact, what he's going to try and do is maximize everything that he does plant. Uh, I, in a bad month, uh, I actually was looking this up in 
what was it, this thing I was looking it up? It was in the USDA 2012 Census of Agriculture. It was some dry reading, I'll tell you what. But the interesting part was, is it, it was kind of like they had, a, said, they had, they listed, they said the worst year we ever had per acre for wheat was 29 bushels per acre. Most people are saying, you can't be believing for more than 10% when you plant. No. Oh, bad year is 30%. That's a bad year. And they said the best years they had, I forget exactly what years they were, but they got somewhere around the 70-ish, I think, is where you percent return. And that's, that's pretty good, I think. So you continue to say, you water the word. You keep saying, Father, I know that as you give me this stuff, I'm giving back to you because I have plenty now. He said, Father, I know that you're going to pour out a blessing that I can't contain, and I know that your word says the reason why we have this blessing is so I can give without any aid to every good thing that comes along that you offer, that you tell me to give to. That's the goal. It's not you, although, you know, you might have a little bit more bread on the table. That might be nice, you know. You might have some nice tractors. Uh, nice heavy equipment to carry stuff around. I think uh, Dover just finished with a really nice engine. You know, he's got it all worked out. His his engine is going good. Uh, then you're then you have to reap. Okay, there comes a time when you have to reap. So you're going to say, Father, I just I accept this blessing that you gave to me, and I receive it in Jesus' name. Okay, that's putting the sickle to it. That's the, they're saying that I've planted it, I've done it according to your will, I know that you're going to do it, and so I accept it now in Jesus' name, and I know that my provision is coming, and I know that my needs are fulfilled according to your word, according to your riches and glory, in fact. So much that I can't even contain it. Press down, shaken together, running over. Do you know what the press down, shaken together thing is? That's when, I, you guys have probably done it when you're in the beach. You, 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 you get the sand in the bucket, and if you shake it, it gets all the air out. It actually packs it together, and then you pack it down, and then you put more on it, and you get it to the point where literally you can't hold it anymore because it falls off. That is your provision. If you follow his instruction, you plant where you're told to plant, you will reap. It's a law. Just like thermodynamics and the running of the airplane, it runs. I mean, if it's going to try to grow a fence post, it's going to grow your seed in Jesus' name. And this is the thing that I always want you to remember. You have a choice. And it's, it's hard at first, but you have a choice. You can either eat your seed and just have just enough to make it through the month, or you can plant your seed. And that's the bottom line. Uh, and that's what giving's all about. That's, that's where the rubber hits the road. That's how it happens. And there is very few things that's more fun than being able to give to somebody who really needs it. I know I'm a little bit early today, but I think I just got excited. Went a little bit faster than I normally would. But I'm pretty sure that either uh, Cade or, or Pastor... Uh, Papa, I guess I could call him, may have a little bit to add to that. But uh, Father, we come to you and I just ask that you just seal that into people's hearts, Father. Not to eat your seed, 
not to hold back, but the more that you give and the more that you extend to other people, Father, the more that you give them so you can extend to even more people. In Jesus' name, thanks. Let's give Tim a hand. Wasn't that good stuff? You know, I took this last week off of work, and I can't remember the last time I took a week off. I think it was for Beth and I's 10-year anniversary, which was a year and a half ago. We went to Hawaii. So it was really nice. I got to read a lot. I got to uh, take care of babies. And let me tell you, three, un- three, three and under is a lot of work. <laughs> but anyways, in all my reading, I found out that, did you know that U.S. money used to be backed by gold? When you held money in your pocket, whatever gold was worth back then, let's say, for simplicity's sake, is worth $100, it's like having gold in your pocket. And then one of the presidents, I don't remember which one, decided that we're going to go off of the gold standard. And so you know what this is backed by now? Foreign debt. When you hold money in your pocket, you hold debt in your pocket. But yet we let this control our lives, make our decisions, decide where we're going to spend our time, because we think that it's valuable. Like, there's, some, there's no value to this. It's debt. It's just changing hands. Sure, it helps you to live. But we've got to change our minds around the concept of money. And so that's what I'm going to bring you guys next week. I'm going to promote you guys. Some of you guys are slaves to money, and you're going to get promoted next week to managers of money, because that's exactly what God has called us to do. And then there's others of us who think that we own our money, that we're owners, but we're not owners, we're managers. And really, that kind of like relieves the pressure. Because when you're the owner of a business, and your employee goes out and makes a mistake, who's responsible? The owner, ultimately. Yeah, the employee might get fired, but he doesn't have to suffer the loss from the business. The owner does. So when we as managers go out and make a mistake with our money, who's ultimately responsible? God, because he's the owner and he owns everything and he created everything. You see how that understanding that can take the pressure off when you leave ownership on the table and let God handle that and you become a manager and you try to become the best manager of your money? which includes giving. How many of you guys, your minds were opened by Tim's message today? Maybe you've never heard heard it that way before. I love the part about like expect a return because how many people go out and farm and not expect their crops to grow? (laughs) That would sure be a waste of time. So Tim, thank you so much. Yeah. I was thinking about that whenever he's talking about a farm. I don't have a farm, but He's talking about all the equipment that I have and this and that. I'm, a, I'm kind of in construction, those of you who know. And I've got several pieces of equipment at home. And I bought a, a diesel tank to set on my property because all my stuff takes diesel. In the, in, you guys ever seen one of those? They stand off the ground. You see them on a farm a lot. They stand off the ground on stilts. And it's a 300-gallon it's a tank. And what I can do is I can get somebody to come out and put 300 gallons of red diesel in that tank. Red diesel is for off-road equipment. And I got really excited about that tank because, man, I set that tank up in my 
yard and I painted it nice and green, John Deere green, as a matter of fact. I don't have John Deere, but I painted it green anyway, John Deere green, you know. And I got it all set up and I put a, a handle on it and a hose. Um, I, man, I thought I had it made. And on these tanks, you have to put a a filter before, uh, after the after the fuel. Because if you don't put a filter, that fuel may come out with rust particles and things like that in it, and, and it'll get in your tank, right? Some of you guys are going, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and others of you are going, oh, big deal, where are you getting on this? Well, I put the filter on it, but I put the wrong one on it. Because there are two different kinds of filters. There's one for a fuel uh, pump, you know, a pump, if you have a pump instead of gravity, it, you can use a different filter. And so the filter is more dense. You guys know that? And so I put that stupid filter on that tank, you know, without even thinking about it. I think I, st was I talking to you about this the other day? Was that not you? And I put that filter on there and I thought, man, I got it made. I, I pumped 30 or 40 gallons of diesel in it to try it. And I stuck that thing in my, in one of my tanks and nothing would come out of it. And oh, I got so, I got so frustrated. It was hot that day and I got frustrated and I kept trying to get and it would just trickle diesel out of it. Just trickle diesel out of it into the tractor. And I got so frustrated and I threw that thing, you know, something. That's, that's what happens to me when I just threw that thing and just walked off and the Lord said, you know what? You've got the wrong attitude. <laughs> And he said, the reason why a lot of people don't get anything out of their tank is because of their attitude. And your attitude will filter what comes out of your tank. And sometimes it just trickles out of your tank and you're blaming everything else but your attitude. So the Lord wants to ask you today, are you filtering what you're getting out of your tank? Are you barely getting out of your tank your supply? That's my supply because of your stinking attitude. And your attitude is keeping the supply from coming out of what God has already given you. Amen. I'm done. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, I got to leave you all with one thing. It was a couple weeks ago, Beth and I were laying in bed at night, and I was kind of frustrated because in my business and like kind of watching like the money at the church and stuff like that, it seemed like the reserves were like being drained. And it makes me really uncomfortable because I'm one of those that like likes some reserve, you know? I like to plan and have that reserve. And so I was kind of, Beth's like, what's wrong? Nothing. You know, you know how we are. Nothing. What are you thinking over there? Nothing. I'm just trying to go to sleep, right? And so she finally pulled it out of me, and I told her, and she's like, well, baby, remember the word that the Lord gave me a few weeks ago? You guys probably remember this, because she shared it at church. The slingshot? How you got to be pulled back sometimes so the Lord can launch you into what's next? And that's exactly what's happening, because he's leading me to invest my reserves into other things, like education and hiring people to help me and stuff like that. And it makes me really uncomfortable, but I know it's exactly what I'm supposed to do. And that's what he's doing here at the church too. Because as we moved into this building, you know, it took away some of our reserves. 
But what good does that money do sitting in there, especially whenever you realize that money has no value? It's not backed by gold. Money is backed by foreign debt. And so just to let money sit in an account somewhere and not have any purpose and not have any mission is not going to help us at all. Am I saying that we should be careless with the way that we manage our money? Of course not. And we're going to get into more, to, more of that next week. But I just wanted to share that with you guys. I want you guys to remember the slingshot because maybe that's happening in your personal finances as well. You're like, sure doesn't look like it's going up right now, but maybe you're just being pulled back so that he can launch you into greater things.